Hi, it's Emily from Mama and the Rev, and this is going to be the start of our second season, round two. I don't know how we're going to call it. We may not number it. We don't know. (laughs) There might not be any rhyme and reason from this point on. Um, This is a departure from our discussion of the, well, sort of, from the Holy Spirit and um, how we started out and where we thought we would go, and it just has kind of grown into something else because here we are with season two, John. Yeah, season two, um, and and we didn't leave last year uh, on a cliffhanger. Um, just <laughs> maybe in case, we should have. Well, Dang it! Just in case, uh, you know, we got canceled, <laughs> so we didn't want anyone to have those nasty posts about, you know, well, how does this resolve? How do they get to? <laughs> there's how can they do this? To how us? do they get re- rescued? Um, yeah, but here we are in season two, and in you mentioned, yeah, we started this out with um, the idea of sending our topic around the Holy Spirit and um, the maintaining power, the sustaining work of the Holy Spirit. But as we've done this, Emily, you would probably agree, I know you would, that we've, we can't get away from the work of the Holy Spirit in anything we talk about. Right. And, and I think that that's something that's very important that has been lost, whether it's intentional, unintentional, um, uh, whether it's uh, something that um, uh, we just miss and maybe it's just something that we're ignorant of. The work of the Holy Spirit is so prevalent in the world today. However, we as a people, we like to touch things. We like to see things. We want to see the proof of this. And and we don't always see that. We might only just see the effects of it. And it's where we put our confidence and our hope that the Holy Spirit is working. There's so much that can be said about the Holy Spirit. And anyways, that is uh, something that uh, is uh, where we started and where we are right now. It's going to be good. This is going to be entertaining. Entertaining, yes. Buckle up. Good. <laughs> Leave that for you. <laughs> Emily, I'm, I'm curious, over the last few months, it's been uh, since May that we have recorded, and um, what have what have you been reading over the last several months? Uh, where have you found your heart and your mind being drawn? I've read a lot this summer now. Some... I've read. I've made myself read some just fun fiction books too, um, to kind of get out of, you know, being so serious all the time. <laughs> because that's yeah. what people think of when they think of me. Uh, no, they think let me serious. Just, I'm going to just <laughs> cure you of that thought. <laughs> you and I know that both of us have to work hard for people to take us seriously. <laughs> yeah, that yes. So I had to give a little bit of time so I could let my hair down. <laughs> no, um, no, I've read several. The two, the one that that I read that really just kind of who um, it's called Memories of God by Roberta Bondi. And oh, I had Roberta Bondi in one. of She was a professor of mine. Yes, and she was at Emory for years. Yes, she was a professor of mine. And I'm sad that she's retired. Um, I believe she's retired. Well, she's in her 80s now, I think. Um, but just a fascinating book. And it was such a, because because of her age and when she, the, the era that she was raised in and her view of being a woman and working and what her job was expected to be inside the home and then what it was but what she actually wanted and how did that how did god fit into that and what the bible said about gender roles and those kinds of things and so it was just her coming to terms with and 
listening to God instead of listening to the outside world. Um, And that dichotomy of you're such a smart girl, you do your work, you do this, da-da-da-da-da, yet you can't, we don't want to hear your opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. And she's very smart and has been, I mean, (laughs) she's studied all over. I mean, she's done the things. (laughs) She's been to the places to study. Um, And and the respect that she, you know, I mean, got. Uh, And it was really interesting to kind of hear that and to think about that. And I learned a lot of really good, insightful things. Um, And I know that that's kind of a... You know, and it seems to be everywhere right now, or maybe it just is because I've been more involved here at St. Paul than than I've been elsewhere ever in my life. And in this point in my life, this is what I'm doing. I, I thanks to yeah you, John, and and this <laughs> this little project that we undertook because we were bored in quarantine. Yeah, we uh, were bored, and <laughs> I uh, I probably should have. Rem- <laughs> Reminded myself I'm on a podcast when she said, because of you, my eyes went up. And I know you all heard that. What? No, I, we appreciate it. It's mutual, Emily. It's very mutual. Well, but you see so much now about women leading in churches. And is that biblical? Can women teach men? Can women, you know, lead men? Or are we supposed to stick to other women? And, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And and to be quite honest, I'm so surprised when, you know, men in our church have said, love listening to you and John, you know, we've learned so much. Thank you. Keep doing it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why? <laughs> they're so much smarter than me. Why would they say that? <laughs> you know, and it's, so I question myself. And then so it's just it's been interesting to to be in this position and then to have read and seen in social media and things, you know, in the news and things, because I know that Beth Moore even made a statement to the fact um, last spring or something. But to be kind of in on the fringe of that, not that I'm Beth Moore, <laughs> but or that I have the following that she does, um, but to kind of be in that and then to read this book that just really addressed it. And so it was it was interesting to see that and to be able to think about that on my own and like not without even meaning to, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I grew up in a, the, for the majority of my time in church growing up, it was part of a church that it was, as you said, women were not allowed to lead where other men were a part of the group. Yeah. Um, they could be Sunday school teachers for children, but yeah. not Sunday school teachers for adults. And and I remember when I um, was looking into uh, ordination, I, and, and and this is such an archaic view, um, that my mom and dad were like, now, John, I just got to let you know, I know United Methodist Church has women preachers. Um, we don't believe in them. <laughs> I said... I said, Mom, Dad, I have met them. They exist. I don't know what it is that you don't believe in, but I've met them. Um, but deep down inside, I, I moved on to a place where I told him, I said, look, I've had some women in my life who have been spiritual mentors. Well, I grew up in the Baptist church, and there were no women leaders. I mean, you could have the secretaries in the front office and the organist and the pianist, but that was it. Um and I even, you know, and I will say that 
when we moved to Columbus, because I didn't really know, you know, I only knew Baptists. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know any Methodists. (laughs) And, you know, the, the, the churches here had women clergy. Um, and I don't remember the one that was at St. Luke forever. I don't remember her name. But um, that was such an oddity to me. That was something that I had never seen. I mean, women in, in ministry looked a lot like Tammy Faye Baker to me. <laughs> well, that was the personification that had been uh, portrayed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I mean, it <laughs> that so even to me, it's been, oh, St. Paul has a lady that's, oh, she's the children's minister. And now that I know Grace Bailey, it's like, of course she is. I mean, what a, gosh, what a blessing she is. I mean, she gave my child his Bible on Sunday, and his little face just lit up, and she was so sweet bringing it to him. And um, it just, so it's, I grew up that way too. I had that notion. And then to be able to see now there are so many women leading. There are so many m- women that are preaching in pulpits and um, bringing the word. And that is encouraging to me. And um, I hope that they receive the respect that they deserve because I know they minister to me. And I assume and would imagine that they minister to hundreds of people, thousands, tens of thousands of people across the globe. You know, one of the books I have been reading over the summer, um, like you, I have tried to read things that I could turn my brain off from. Yeah, and absolutely. That's it. That's it. Something that I could get lost in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've read a couple spy novels, espionage novels. I like those. Crime novels. I, mm-hmm. I do like those. Um, but one of the... Uh, books that I've been re- reading other than the ragamuffin gospel that Tommy and I are doing a podcast on a shameless plug. Well, and I've been reading that too, and I've started that, but it, Oh, but that's a different, you go ahead. Yeah. I want to hear what else you're yeah. reading. Sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's been Dane Ortland's um, gentle and lowly, gentle yeah. and lowly. And I went over and I'll tell you, um, Shane brought it to my attention. Someone had shared it with him and he and I were meeting and, and I didn't think much of it. And, then I go over to visit this uh, this woman of our church who taught Sunday school for our children for decades. Was involved in youth ministry here a long time ago, and we're we're sitting and and sharing. And and she was showing me around her her place, and there's a stack of these books, gentle and lowly. That she said, "This is the book of books right now." She said, "This is I bought one for each one of my grandchildren." And I'm sending them out to them with a little note. Um, but I've, I started that book. I'm maybe five, six, seven chapters into it. But all of that stuff I'm processing, the, you know, on the inside, what I'm hearing from Shane and from other folks. Yeah. And, and then my wife, uh, a few weeks ago, started reading the book. And she's telling me stuff. And I said, well, I'm already, you know, started. She said, wow, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'm like, hold on a second. You, I'm going out to mow the lawn right now. <laughs> my, Let's my talk mind's, about it later. Yeah, that's right. My mind's not on it. But I, I love this because the book is centered around the, um, not necessarily what Jesus does, 
but who Jesus is. And he, and he says, look, you cannot separate who Jesus is and what Jesus did or does. You can't do that. But most of the time we, we gravitate to what he does and, and we leave out who he is. In fact, one of the things he says in the four gospels, there's like 89, 90 different chapters in the four gospels. There is only one verse that speaks to who Jesus is, his heart. And he was a lowly of heart, gentle and lowly. And in that image, not necessarily of what Jesus has done, because that is in of itself so wonderful. It is the message of grace, right? That is the message of grace, the ministry, the completed work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection. And now he in glory in the throne room, pleading for us, praying for us right now, you, me now praying. And, um, it's, that is wonderful in of itself, but what was Jesus like? that drove him to go to the outcast, the lepers, the sick, the marginalized. What was it that made him so attractive for people to be drawn to him? Right. And in our world today, Emily, I am convinced that there there is a deficit of people with compassion. Absolutely. There's a deficit of people with compassion. Mm-hmm. I I was looking through something and something just popped up the other day. No, it was last night. It was in Google News or something. I was just kind of flipping through and there was this lady who got this. Uh, she went, she took her um, invalid son to Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom. So she has a car with a lift. Well, the parking spots for vans with lifts were all taken and there were only ones with handicapped or or whatnot right. for those special spots and so th- she went in and she took up two spots because she didn't want to get to a spot where someone came in after her and she couldn't lower the lift again yeah and she was instructed as well someone left a nasty note how dare you it was so selfish of you to take up two spots i hope your transmission goes bad while you're driving home and your armpits are swarm swarm with a thousand fleas or something like it was something so you could hear the passion of hatred and and over a parking spot. Uh, over, over, over this. But, but she said, as she responds to this, she says, you know, the only reason I'm bringing this out to everyone's attention is because I had spoken to cast members at the Magic Kingdom that said, you know, this is what you do because you, you need that extra spot. Take the yeah. two spots. Go in, kind of take the two spots. And, um, and, and said, this person wished upon me so much harm and had no compassion at all. And I think our world lacks compassion. And yeah. what draws us to Jesus is that compassion. Right. When that something that, that I read with Roberta Bondi that has just really, I mean, it really just hit me. She said something very similar. She said, you know, we are not, we cannot judge people. Because we, there's only one person that knows the true motives of every person on the planet. 
there's only one person who knows that, and that's God. And we can we see their actions, and we can say, "Oh my gosh, that was awful. Why would you do that?" But we don't know the path that that person has come along. We don't know the trauma that they've had. And yes, where their acts were completely heinous and awful. We really can't judge that because we don't know what brought them to that point. And that's been something so eye-opening to me as somebody that has um, grown up with, you know, sin is sin. And, of course, sin is sin. I'm not saying it's not. And that not, and that God doesn't hate sin. He does. And that he, we're not going to be judged for our sins because we will. But... He can look at us and say, that's terrible. That was not what I wanted you to do. This is not how you should behave. But I understand why you did that. And so that has been something that's been so interesting to me to think about because I am, I'm a pretty passionate person. I don't know if you know that. And um, I get, I can get all fired up about something and get, you know, anyone who's ever seen me in a little league baseball game can can attest to that and i've gotten so much better i've really really have and look if anybody um, has some video of that we can send that in i'd love to see <laughs> please that. don't please don't there's just the one that was real bad and i hope video does not exist <laughs> but um i've been quick to anger in my life and i'm still there i'm still working on it but to look at it through the lens of emily just like you have a bad day and you may jump, fly off the handle and fuss at somebody just because you're in a whatever, you know, just like Jim this morning. Um, my tire is flat in my car. He was going to take it to have it fixed for me. So I'm driving his truck. So I apologize for anyone that I might drive by today. <laughs> and there will be some extra parking spots that have been taken by me in this truck today. I apologize for that, but know that it's, you know, there are these issues. But Jim's going to get my tire fixed, and he goes, well, I can't find my wallet. And I was like, well, you probably left it in LaGrange yesterday while we were playing baseball on it in a tournament. And, you know, we'll we'll have to go get it. Well, I'll have to, we'll drive up there and get it. And he was like, well, this is just the perfect start to my day. And I was like, oh, Lord. So we don't know that. So whoever comes across Jim between now and... <laughs> <laughs> That's where his day started. So, but we don't know that about people. We don't know what led them to every snarky, rude, fly off the handle moment that they may have because we're not privy to their inside lives. We're not privy to everything that happened to them growing up. We're not, we don't know those things. And to look at it through that lens of God is the only one that does, He is the only one that can judge. And Thank goodness he's the only one that does eternally. <laughs> yeah, no, thankfully people don't judge Christianity on Christians. Oh. I mean, thankfully. Well, they do sometimes. Well, we, we, <laughs> We're I'm in sure a mess with do. that right now. <laughs> I'm sure they, I'm sure that is the tendency. Um, the compassion of Jesus. You spoke about uh, um, sin is sin. And yes, that, that is so true. And when Jesus came, he didn't do away with truth. John's gospel said when he was full of grace and truth. Grace is that compassion. Right. Truth is that, well, that truth that there is for many 
things and many actions, there is a right and wrong. Yeah. There is this, as C.S. Lewis would call, our moral law, something that is above us, outside of us, that know that tells us and teaches us what it what right and wrong is innately. And and so when when John unfolds the life of Jesus in his gospel, there was a time at the beginning of chapter eight where a woman who was caught in adultery comes. Not comes. You could say she was dragged. Yeah. She is brought before Jesus. And these religious leaders were trying to trick Jesus. The law says this is what we should do to this woman. What say you? When we've heard this story, yeah. Jesus in silence writes some things and I'm not sure what it was. Don't you I, yeah, don't want, you want to know? <laughs> dude, I want I want to know. And we could speculate. A lot of people speculate what it might be um that he wrote. We, they speculate because of what happened next. Yeah. People started dropping their stones who were going to stone the woman starting with the oldest John tells us to the youngest. I I tend to think that they were their own sins. Yeah. He started in right. you know, and then the people from the oldest who had a little bit more maturity <laughs> could see a bigger glass or a bigger bucket full of their own sins. <laughs> yeah. Um but then Jesus says to the woman, where are those who condemn you? Well, they're gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. There's the grace. There's yeah. the mercy. That is the compassion. And then Jesus says, now go and sin no more. Sin is not an option. I mean, we, we want to grow closer to who God wants us to be through the work of the yeah. Holy Spirit, whether it's sanctification, the second work of grace, being filled with the Spirit, those kind of things. That is where we start to become more and more and more Christ-like. And in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis describes that sinful nature or those sinful desires. God doesn't want to just to pacify them. He wants to rip them out like a dentist rips out a bad tooth right off. Yeah. Just out. Just let it go. And so there is this compassion. And at the same time, there is this tension of attention of the tension of truth. Yeah. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that most, I mean, the gospel writers give us this compassion. Yeah. You know, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And all through that, Jesus gives him and he says, I've done this. And then Jesus, the scripture says, then Jesus had compassion on him. Mm -hmm. Jesus has this compassion. And man, I just, I think we miss out on experiencing and living into because we want to say the truth. We want to say the truth, especially when it comes from our perspective. You took my parking spot. Do you realize what you did to me? Yeah. It's about me. But that's not the compassion. No. And, and ministers have done this. Christians have done this for a long time, that when witnessing to someone, they want to hit somebody over the head with a Bible. Right. You know? <laughs> They want to hit somebody over the head with a Bible. And and maybe for a future podcast, I, I, I'd love to talk about, you know, the unchurched. Yeah. The, the, those who do not have a church home and um and and just talk about where they are right now in their perspective 
of seeing churches and their churches actually opening up themselves to receive that type of what they're looking for, right? Right. When I think, you know, we are in such a time, such a time as this. Um, Esther 412, isn't that? Something like that. For such a time as this, I mean, talking about Jesus going to the outcasts, going to the lepers, the, you know, tax collectors, the, these ragtag group of disciples that he called out and said, come with me, you know, all of that. And the Pharisees were so confused and so upset about it. (laughs) Why are you doing this? We're the ones you want to hang out with. We're the good ones. What a time in our lives, in, in our society, the times that we are in now, there's so much of that going on. There's so much of, well, you're not doing it right. And this, that, and the other. There are so many hot button issues. There are so many things that people are being absolutely thrown under the bus for that when you look up with, you you look at any scripture and you're like, Jesus would not want this to be happening. <laughs> he would not want us to be arguing about this. <laughs> you know, you do what you want to do, fine. You and the Lord work that out. But I'm going to keep my mouth shut and I'm not going to shame you for getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated. These things that we're arguing over seem so ridiculous to me. <laughs> yep, yep, you're right. Because because at the core, we have we have made issues about our identity. Right. That if you don't agree with me, then you must hate me. Right. There is no crucible of debate anymore. Yeah. Which which is so important, which is how our universities and colleges and and even thousands of years ago public uh, hearings they were they were crucibles of debate and they would come and they, and they would but there's none of that anymore it is so closely tied and knit to our identity right. and we take offense of that yeah you know we take offense. Well, if you think I can't drive well, well, you you are speaking against my manhood. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's off the cuff. I didn't even have that right written down. <laughs> but that's but right. I, that's right. That's yeah. how people. You go. Well, I didn't know that this is going to be a thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> is it safe to say that in certain circumstances and certain things, people don't have a right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, but we want to demand that, that we have found our identity in such a shallow uh, reservoir of life, our own. Yeah. And we can't see beyond that. And I don't know, maybe we'll get nasty emails about that or not, but I wish we would. <laughs> I wish we get, <laughs> I wish someone would email us <laughs> at podcast at spumccolumbus.com. We've gotten some, a lot of, uh, we've gotten a lot of emails, but they're folks who are trying to sell us something. And <laughs> so already we're, don't on. y'all want us to have sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. How true. How true is that? Yeah. Um, you know, it just is, you know, it, well, and the Western world, you know, Americans specifically, we have no idea. <laughs> we just don't get 
so many things. And we are so selfish and so all about us that we forget. We forget because there's so much going on in our world right now that, God, I got it easy. <laughs> I've got, I mean, I've got some things, but I got it easy compared to that. I don't, I am not being here as a, here as a woman, I'm not being followed on the street, knocked down and then beaten. So, I mean, I got some things to worry about, but I don't have that bad. It's pre- the, the things that I worry about and that I have seem pretty luxurious compared to others. And so I think that that's part of our problem with our compassion is because we don't see that. We don't think that anybody understands anything more than we do. We don't, no one could understand pain and suffering like, like that I could. I have done, I have had terrible things happen. You know, we lose that. And I think many of that, much of that has to do with our worldview. Yeah. You know, the Christian worldview for many Christians is their household. But we forget <laughs> about the the worldview of what God's doing, where God is working, what God desires for the world around us to see outside our own little kingdom, to expand our own borders to include maybe what God is doing in our neighbor's lives. Let's just start there. Yeah. Let's just start with the idea of the people that we are going to pass on the road and how much, how much courage everybody has to yell at somebody from a car. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know, well, and behind the lens of social media and being out there, you can say so many things without ever looking or knowing anyone. This is remind. See, I did. I've read a two other. I've read several other books that now I'm remembering. I I finished up because I read. It took me a long time to get through Letters to the Church by Francis Chan, and he was talking about the persecution and the um, Chinese churches that that he had taught to pastors that you know are underground and whatever. And so when the at some point when it got to where the churches didn't necessarily have to hide, that they could build brick-and-mortar structures, like they could go ahead and build a church. Um, That attendance dropped off. (laughs) And the pastor was like, I miss the persecution. We've become too commonplace. We've become too complacent in this. We've, We've gotten too comfortable. And so now we don't find... We're doing things on our own and not relying on the Lord. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting to to think about that getting complacent and getting where you don't feel that tug or that pull or being drawn to to God to come closer to him and be in his presence. Getting comfortable, complacent, as you said, yes. And not seeing or at least not being open to a world who needs not your compassion, but your reflection of God's compassion for you. Right. Absolutely. They don't need, they don't need your grace. They don't need your forgiveness, your mercy. I think they need a reflection of God's grace to you, God's forgiveness to you. Yeah. And this goes back to where we, where I mentioned about, you know, what motivated Jesus and gentle and lowly was talking about 
what Jesus did and who Jesus is. And we can hide easily behind what we do. But why? And it's got to go back. It's got to go and be connected from that flood of living waters that flows from the throne room of mercy and grace that we have received it. Yeah. That we've received that forgiveness. We've received that mercy. And if you haven't, (laughs) what a great opportunity just to stop. If you haven't been thinking about that, just stop and just meditate about that. Just think about that. It was a great little story about uh, the archbishop, and I can't remember who what his name was, but it was from a Russian Orthodox church. And a why woman, can't you remember his name, John? I know Russian Orthodox Church. <laughs> I remember he was an, he was a bishop or archbishop of a Russian Orthodox Church. I and didn't it's mean to come interrupt to be, you, but you know, that's funny. I'm going to jump out with <laughs> a name here in just a second. I thought you were going to say some English archbishop somewhere <laughs> yeah. that's like John Smith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have made it up. <laughs> and then you said Russian, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. yeah. It's probably got a lot of consonants. No wonder mm. you don't know what it is. <laughs> well, here, here's, he had a woman come to him and say, you know, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God. I, my prayers just seem to hit the ceiling and flow back down which becomes a lot of, for a lot of us, yeah. a reason not to do this, put it on the sidelines, right. to not figure out and think about the grace that God has given us, the forgiveness that God gives us. And, and the archbishop says this, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go home. And she was a knitter. She crocheted and stuff like this. And she said, he said, I want you to, I want you to crochet or knit for 15 minutes, but I want you to imagine that you're doing it before the throne of God. And he, he said, I forbid you to say a word. Don't, don't say a word because we, we feel so compelled to any time we go to God to have to say something. Yes. To say something. Okay. Prayer starts now. Dear God. <laughs> and I have to use these words yeah. and it has to be this. Yeah. And she came back and she said, it was revolutionary. She she said at first she sat, thought, man, this is going to be great. It's it's going to be 15 minutes when I don't have to think about anything else, any responsibilities, anything that's on my agenda, any problems that I need to bring to God, he's, she said. And, and she says as time went on, it became one of those moments in her life, she said, that that renewed her identity in God. Yeah. And she, you know, so she started to feel and, and recapture that. I've heard of parents who, moms and dads, who are changing diapers, folding clothes. As they're doing it, they pull up a, you know, a child's shirt or pants. And as they're folding it, they are thinking of and, and bringing that child before God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it, it is absolutely amazing how just a simple change of scenery from our minds to yeah. to include what God is doing. Well, and God, well, that's beautiful to sit and just do what it is you're doing. And not say a word. Don't not, feel compelled. Not, yeah, not feel like you have to say anything. But just sit there knowing that God loves you mm. and that you've been redeemed. You've been saved by grace. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you've done it. I mean, that whether you accept it or not is <laughs> irrelevant. Right. 
you are. And to just sit there and just, I imagine, I want to know, I thought you were about to tell me what she crocheted. (laughs) I thought she was going to bring in this, I don't know, 100-yard blanket for the Archbishop Archbishop that she just started, those little little needles were just clicking along and she just got, you know, because that's what, but that's what will happen. Yeah. When you sit and you just kind of be overcome with that and not block out everything that might come into your mind, but when you sit and start from that point of God loves me, wow, and just kind of sit in that, yeah, you don't really have to even, you might think of something else, you might not, but how beautiful, what a wonderful idea to sit and just do what you're going to do. That's it. And With imagining a mindfulness. You're doing it, imagine you're doing it at the throne of God. Yeah. Whatever report you're working on, whatever spreadsheet you're doing, whatever lunch you're packing or anything, whatever mile you're about to run, whatever. Doesn't that remind you of what Paul wow. told the church in Corinth? Yeah. Whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Yes. Do it all for the glory of God. Yes. That's what's difficult. For me, I think it's difficult for our world today. Yeah. Is to see beyond me. I'm doing this for me. Yeah. I'm doing it. God wants me to do this for me, right? Right. We we rationalize. Well, look, we could probably go on <laughs> for an hour more because we have three months of things to tell you. And we're gonna call I had no idea I had so many things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> well, this is this is this is. I'm I'm so glad. I am so glad that you all are back. I'm so glad you're back, Emily. I'm glad that we're we're on season two, yeah, episode one, and um and this is now um Mama and the Rev. You'll start to see new graphics on our podcast. You'll start y'all, to see to the tell new John name. How to spell Mama? Just yeah, so it's M O M M A. But she says no, it's M A M A. Your Mama. Oh, so there's not. Three M's, so it's M A M A. Yeah, Mama. That's Mama. What's <laughs> Mama? You said Mama. But see, you're saying Mama. You don't mama. have the drawl required. <laughs> so it's M A M A. I'm glad you mama. said that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't make any changes yet. M A M A. How that, could I get y'all, that wrong? He's from Pennsylvania. Listen, he doesn't know. He doesn't know, <laughs> y'all. Really? Yeah. He says use guys too. <laughs> what are you doing? Use guys. Use guys. And it's all soda pop. <laughs> he doesn't drink Coke. <laughs> I have compassion for you guys who say Coke. Yeah, God forbid we find Pepsi around here, right? No, it's disgusting. <sighs> well, I'll tell, this look, is I know, Columbus, look. Georgia. This is the birthplace of Coca-Cola. <laughs> we don't drink Pepsi here. Okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, I do like Coke when it comes to um, certain foods that I eat. I, a hamburger. I got to eat a Coke. Yeah. yeah. But pizza, I like Pepsi. I mean, some some oh. things it's around. Open your minds. Poor John. <laughs> I hope you, you guys now still you love could me. have a uh, an RC. Also. An RC Royal Crown. I think God would drink Coke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's the compassion in action. <laughs> Friends, we are so, so happy you're with us. And um, as as we go out through this year, if you have anything that um, you'd like to uh, for us to talk about, um, go ahead and email us at podcast 
at spumcolumbus.com. spumcolumbus.com. And Emily, thank you. Thank you. Um, we're off to a great start now. As as you live out this light, your life, may you be reminded of God's compassion and love for you. You know, a podcast, Emily, is so timeless. We have a specific day and time that we have scheduled to do this and we've recorded this. Over the next couple of days, it'll take some time to edit it and um, get it right and post. But years down the road, people may be drawn to it. And no matter where we find ourselves, what transcends time, what transcends space and culture and age is God's grace, God's love, God's compassion coupled with his truth. Go now in peace.